Now you see that evil will always triumph because good is dumb. Why does it say paper jam? Please, no paper jam. I swear to God, every one of these things, I, I, I just can't believe. We're on a mission from God. This is WXOU, Auburn Hills. Say, folks, do you like jazz? How about a sundry blend of jazz and other musics brought to you by a man who's graced WXOU's airwaves for 16 years? That's right, folks, The Wurlitzer with Josh Yaks, a program that's been with WXOU since its FM inception in 1996. That's right, folks, if it's jazz you're looking for with a little bit of freeform thrown into the mix, set your radio dial to 88.3 FM every Wednesday from 6 to 8 p.m., the Wurlitzer with Josh Yaks. It's not just a show, it's an institution. Tell them Rich sent you. 88.3 WXOU, The Grizz. Listen to 88.3 FM WXOU, live from Auburn Hills, Michigan, and Oakland University campus. This is Sports Day in the D. I'm John out here with you, and we got a big show coming up today as we talk lines and replacement refs, and then we get in the college atmosphere with Michigan State and Michigan, get some Tigers in there as well, and if we got some time, talk about the biggest sports games you might be buying this season. First, here's a song by Killswitch Engage. It's called My Curse. Hope you enjoy. <laughs>
88.3 WXOU The Grizz Alright, welcome back into Sports Day in the D here on WXOU going to talk about some Detroit Lions now in the week 3 matchup as the Lions lose to Tennessee Titans 44 to 41 in overtime and there's some questions that I come away with in this game in terms of where the heck was the Lions defense in that pressure on Jake Locker as we look in Jake Locker's numbers and yes he is the quarterback for the Tennessee Titans he has 29 of 42 with 378 yards and two touchdowns I take that looking away from that game as he looked like he was Dan Marino and the Lions defense was nowhere to be found. Where was the pressure? How come they couldn't get any, any hurry-ups on Locker? Couldn't get any sacks? Nothing totaled for the Lions there and it seemed to be going into the season and that could have been one of the biggest strengths for the Lions and we just hadn't seen it. As far as the Tennessee Titans come away with in the first week two matchups they've given up about 60 points and about the end of this game it was well over 100 now to start week three end of the season and it's just too much and we would have expected the Lions to come away with this game and will we say a few things that we talked about a little bit last week you'd say maybe the Lions wouldn't go 10 and 6 that they would go probably 8 and 8 take a little bit of a step back this year but on your calendar if you're marking wins or if you're a betting man this would be one of those times when you would expect the Lions to win and you would have marked this off as a victory but quite frankly it just didn't happen and then there was a few things in terms of special teams as well in terms of that defense that isn't just working too well at the beginning of the game there was a a pass that was taken all the way for a fake and then all the way into a touchdown and then there was another time on special teams when a kickoff return went for a touchdown and it was quite frankly it was embarrassing I couldn't believe what I had seen from the Lions and the fourth year guy the tight end we know we've talked about tight ends and how they could be useful in the league and last week we talked about Frank Gore in the 49ers is he's big he's strong he's fast and the Lions are trying to prove to you guys and everybody else out there why they took Brandon Pettigrew in that first round and 
They you know they took him late in the first round. You think maybe that's just a little bit too early? Well, he just showed you that it was a little bit too early because he pretty much got punked by one of the Tennessee Titan players as the guy grabbed the ball and took it to the house and scored on the lines. And I just didn't know what I was seeing in terms of a, a team that wasn't very good and has given up all these points. He pretty much would have written it off as a victory, and it didn't happen. So the defense wasn't there, the special teams didn't play well, and we have to talk about something else that I know a lot of Lions fans and all of you guys out there don't want to talk about, and that's the condition of your quarterback, Matthew Stafford. And I'm going to be completely honest here, I mean, we don't, we, we try to root for teams and all of that stuff, and we want all the teams to do well, but Matthew Stafford has come into question within the last couple of seasons of saying, is this guy durable? I don't want him to be a China doll. I don't want him to get hurt. And the way that the lines and everything is structured in between Calvin, Stafford, and Sue, which we've hit on a little bit last week, but now we can bring into a little bit more of a limelight here, the way that everything is structured, the team is supposed to be very successful on offense, and maybe some of the stuff on defense, you, you guys know, you just throw aside. Well, when you got all that money tied up between Matthew Stafford, Calvin Johnson, and Adamic and Sue, that stuff better get somewhere. And now that Stafford got injured in this game, his final numbers, 33 of 42, 278 yards with one touchdown, very, very respectable. He was very good in this game, actually. But he goes down. So what do the Lions do? They go to their quarterback, ready and waiting, Sean Hill. And you know what? Considering you know a lot of teams have a backup quarterback, I don't know how much stock he put into having a backup quarterback, but I'm, I'm thinking that the Lions have one of the best ones available. He goes, Sean Hill goes 10 of 13, a buck 72, with two touchdowns, and the Lions manufacture almost a comeback when they go two touchdowns in the last 16 seconds to get this game into OT and what did Sean Hill do? He pretty much tried to throw it up to Megatron and told him to go get it. And that's just some of the things that we'd seen from Sean Hill when Stafford was out. So my question to you and what a lot of fans had wondered here on WXOU and Sports Day in the D is do the Lions really need Matthew Stafford? And I know that that's a crazy question to ask, but I think at some point, some of these fans are thinking it. I say yes, but when you look at what some of the stuff that Sean Hill has done when Stafford has been out, can the Lions get by, let's say hypothetically, if and the offseason comes and Matthew Stafford can somehow be traded or moved around, do the Lions just get rid of that, try to dump Sue, go with Sean Hill, keep Calvin, and try to put the rest of that money in on defense. Do they really go ahead and go to that route? I mean, some of these fans are probably asking for it at this time. We don't know the extent of injury. Jim Shorts doesn't go out publicly and say, yes, this guy's injured for so many amount of days. Everybody is like pretty tight-lipped around that in terms of the Lions organization and in terms of everything else around there. But is that an avenue that the Lions go ahead and think about going into? I'm not so sure if they do, but I'm sure that's on the fans' mind. In terms of what I would think about, if you're a Tennessee fan, you got to be elated. Jake Locker, like I said, 29-42, 378 yards and two touchdowns. He looked like Dan Marino. You got a punt return and a kickoff return for a touchdown. You stripped Brandon Pettigrew, punked him, got a touchdown out of that. And you guys scored all over the Lions. And regardless of what the Lions' record now is at 1-2, and two, you guys beat a playoff team. I know we always talk about that last year. The Lions had finally made the playoffs. They haven't done so since Barry Sanders has been there. It's a big win for the Tennessee Titans. And if you're the Lions... What are, you, what are you saying? You're saying, wow, really? This just happened? 
What the heck is going on here? We knew it was going to be a step back, but did we really think the Lions were going to lose? And where was that Lions pressure we talked about? Where was the rush? Titans had given up a lot of points. Not, and just the Lions don't finish the job. They don't do what they need to do on special teams. And where is this team on defense? If it's supposed to be a strength, I don't see it. The one thing I want to talk about before we go into the break and introduce the song here is what somebody, what nobody else is talking about, really. I thought that Nick Harris was still the punter for the Detroit Lions. I was wrong. It's been Graham. So Graham goes down, and Jason Hansen has to do all the kicking duties now. So he's your kicker, he's your punter, and everything else. And I give Jason Hansen a lot of credit being 42 years old and kicking one of the most perfect onside kicks I'd ever seen for the Lions to be able to go and get a touchdown. A lot of credit on Jason Hansen there. If it was a chance for the Lions to win that game, I'm sure people would be talking about that more. So... What do the Lions need to do to try to fix everything that's going on this season? Here's something that I might point out. I'm not sure if everybody's going to go this route or not. But doesn't it seem like the Lions so far this season are more comfortable when they're running a two-minute drill? Should they just go to more two-minute drills on offense? And who cares what the defense does? Because if the Lions just score enough, hopefully they'll win. I know that didn't happen in this game against Tennessee. You might throw that out there. But it's just something for the Lions to think about. And there's something for a lot of Lions fans that always say, why can't we give Megatron the ball? What's the problem here? Why can't we get him the ball? In the first half of this game, he had one catch for six yards. That, that's just not good enough. So what did the Lions, what can they do? Can they run some more end-arounds? Can they run some more screen passes? Can they do something to get Calvin Johnson more involved here? Because it's just not good enough on my liking. So that was the Lions segment, now we got Around the World by Daft Punk. So I noticed in that Kill Switch Engage where that song, the levels were kind of messed up, so that's on me to make sure everything is good in the next part. Right now, I'm just, we're going to try to get in all the delivery and the content and everything else in, and we're going to clean up all of that stuff as we go forward here on Sports Day in the D. But you are listening to the uh, live stream of Sports Day in the D, and I'm going to try to get the podcast and everything going around as well. So... Let's stick with this throughout there and keep this recorded. And if I can't hit the podcast, then I'll try to make this show or just uh, put this in in some way. But we'll go back to Around the World on Daft Punk. Around the world, around the world, around the world. 
me. Has anybody seen my buttocks? I can't seem to find them anywhere. Unless... Oh, that's right. I lost them walking to the office. <laughs> I feel sorry for the person who finds them. Seriously, though, a healthy diet combined with regular physical activity can decrease your weight and improve your health. So what are you waiting for? For more information, visit www.smallstep.gov and take a small step to get healthy. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, the Ad Council, and WXOU. Welcome back in from the break at Sports Day in the D, WXOU 88.3 FM from Oakland University. We're going to be talking about some Michigan State and Michigan football now. And in terms of both, even though one team had won, I don't think all of us are happy about the result. So first, let's get into Michigan State taking on the Eastern Michigan Eagles. You know, that's just so awesome there because that's like one of the worst teams in the MAC. 23-7, Michigan State beats Eastern Michigan. They get 14 unanswered points in the fourth quarter to close the game out. My biggest concern, that score looks a lot worse than it was because Eastern Michigan had the lead in this game for most of that third quarter as well, and it took Michigan State that much longer to close out a team that is worse than 0-50 against the Big Ten in their lifetime. And it's just really embarrassing in that part. Andrew Maxwell, the numbers, it might look a little gaudy, but trust me, they're not as filled out as it seems. 16 of 29, 159 yards and one touchdown. And the biggest concern I take away from this game, I hope you guys are ready for this. This is supposed to be the greatest running back in the Big Ten right now. We know about Le'Veon Bell. He's a beast. He's a monster. But you're going up against Eastern Michigan. So get ready for this. 36 carries, 253 yards, and one touchdown. Now, you know what? That tells me a lot about the Michigan State offense right now. I'm not so in tune with college football and everything else. Like I had said, I'm getting my football stuff and my priorities going so I can deliver more information to you guys as we progress into these shows. 
but I'm looking at 36 carries for Le'Veon Bell, and I'm thinking it's the Eastern Michigan Eagles, and that tells me that Michigan State Spartans are in a bit of a flux, and can you imagine what would happen to the Michigan State Spartans right now? Just, just think about it for a second. If Le'Veon Bell was not a Spartan, do the Spartans lose this game to the Eagles? And I'm not joking. I'm really throwing that out there. Do they lose the game to the Eagles if Le'Veon Bell is not in there? Because if he needs that many carries, then something's really wrong. In terms of receptions for receivers, we got Sims, six receptions, 112 yards, and a touchdown. And this isn't the NFL. This is college football. So I think, really, you can have wins that don't seem positive. And like how we have the moniker, a win is a win. Well, in this case... I don't feel that way. I know Michigan State certainly isn't happy, and I know Coach Mark D'Antonio for the Spartans after the game was not happy because he was pretty much going Drew Rosenhaus on the media saying, next question. And you can say that's unprofessional, but I would say to you that I don't think he's happy, and I would be upset if he was okay with it, if he wasn't trying to attack the media because they're playing against Eastern Michigan. This game should have been over at the half, and it just wasn't. So, I don't know. You say that he sounds like Lane Kiffin from USC and all that stuff? I don't think so. I don't take that away from there. So, Bell needing 36 carries. And I thought Andrew Maxwell, to be honest, I know he's a true freshman and all that. He's just getting in the transition. I thought against Eastern, against a team that wouldn't be very good, that they could throw some more screen passes, take some chances down the field, and mix it up a little bit in with that run. Because you know Le'Veon's going to get some carries. But I thought the Michigan State offense would be a lot more balanced in that regard. And I just didn't see that. And I wasn't happy. And in terms of that, I think it feels like a loss, even though it's not on the record. So, really getting this regard from this game, we see that the offense is in trouble, and I was completely off base in terms because of when I saw what Michigan State did in Week 1 against Boise and what they did against Central when they didn't give up an offensive touchdown, we know that defense is good, but the offense looked a little bit better there when they didn't hear. And in terms of what Le'Veon, oh, he's not being in there, would say that it could feel like a loss or whatever, I think Michigan State so far this season, it's been pretty telling. If... The defense doesn't perform way above expectations, and they don't carry of what the offense is doing right now. I don't see Michigan State having as much success as people think. I still think they can go ahead and win that Legends division and be the best team in there, but now they're going to have to look out for teams like Wisconsin and Nebraska because just because that offense isn't doing what it needs to do, and the defense has to play so hard to keep them into the game. So if they're going to have any success in here, I think they need to have a really high level of play. And let's switch base a little bit here and talk about the other team that played Notre Dame, and not Michigan State, because that was a debacle last week as well. Now it's Michigan's turn to handle Notre Dame, and I don't think they fared much better. Notre Dame wins this game 13-6, to and Michigan finally drops out of that top 25, and I was wondering why the heck were they even there to begin with, because... We throw out the Alabama game. I know you can't throw out a loss. You knew Michigan wasn't going to win that one. But when you go up against Notre Dame and you had seen Notre Dame had done a pretty good job of handling Michigan State on offense, and then Michigan was just saying, well, we got Denard, Shoelace can run, and all this stuff. And what does Shoelace go out and do? He only gets you 90 yards in this game. Heck, Shoelace, 948 yards of total offense in the past two years against Notre Dame, and he only gets you 90. 
It's a lot to say about what Michigan has done in this game. And you know what? Before I go any further on Michigan, I want to say uh, I gave a lot of credit to Notre Dame again because no touchdowns allowed on Michigan or Michigan State. And uh, Mate Teo, shortly after losing his girlfriend and his grandmother within that 48-hour span of that last week, he comes out and plays like a beast. And, you know, I'm not exactly sure where everything goes in terms of the Heisman and who can and who can't win it. But Mate Teo and that defensive line and everything else, they have been playing so well that you would have to consider Monte Teo getting all these sacks and tackles and everything. That's a big proponent of what they're doing, and they are playing a really high level of play. And there was one thing I thought that was really weird in this game in terms of what Michigan and Notre Dame had done. Michigan, you know, is not going to pull Denard Robinson. They're going to have him play the whole thing out. But people were talking about last week how Golston was so good for the quarterback for Notre Dame, and Tommy Reese was pulled. Tommy Reese was put in there over the pull Golston to go ahead and get them some touchdowns to help get a win over Michigan and help get that offense going. I don't think we're going to see that again next week in any of that stuff. If you watch the Fighting Irish, but it was just it was something to see in there. And in terms of Michigan, we said Denard Robinson, five turnovers. It's a lot of turnovers just by himself. Four interceptions. Michigan had six turnovers as a team. And just having that 90 yards. And Denard Robinson had said this verbatim. I'm going to be accountable this season. This is the most disappointed I've ever been in myself. And I, I say one thing. I feel really bad for Denard. Because I'm not, like I said, I'm an Oakland University guy. But in terms of Denard and his success rate in terms of the pass, I think everybody knows that if you have to make him a pocket quarterback, he's just not going to have the same success as if he's not with his running with his feet. So... What Can we say that maybe Brady Hoke and Al Borges and all those guys maybe not be putting Denard Robinson in the right position all the time? Are they trying to force him to be too much of a pocket quarterback because we question number 16's durability, and if he actually takes a hit, that's why we need him to be a pocket quarterback because we're not going to have any offense if we're not going to have Denard Robinson. And I got news for you. Denard Robinson is your offense. Who are you going to count on? Are you going to count on Futchess, who's the true tight end for Michigan to be the offensive leader, the anchor for Michigan Wolverines? You're sure the heck not going to. You can't continue to baby Denard Robinson. If Denard Robinson wants to be held accountable, then he needs to go up to these coaches and say, you guys got to run me a little bit more. Let's get this stuff going. I'm tired of these kind of games. We know we need to carry this stuff on offense, and let's get going. Because Denard Robinson... You see what he did against Air Force, I know that's a bad team, but the guy broke two touchdowns, two really long runs of over 60 yards. I mean, let's get this guy some more runs and get him the ball that way so he can be successful. I get that everybody has a bad game in terms of Denard Robinson. And I can say, even with all the turnovers, here's the sad part. The six turnovers, Look, let's say that score again, 13-6 Notre Dame. Six turnovers, and Michigan still had a chance to win this game. They still did. And they, they just couldn't pull it out. And for once, I would say the defense is not to blame because you say maybe it's just not that good. But you look in this game, six turnovers, 13-6, to six, and you still have a chance to win. I don't put that entirely all on the defense. I think it's just another one of those games that if number 16 doesn't play well, then the rest of the Michigan offense and the rest of the team does not play well. And in terms for Michigan, I think this is a good time for a bye. And this is also a good time for the break. Here's a Still in Love song by The Stills.
people of all ages, from different walks of life. We have hopes and dreams, but live in a reality filled with pain. We are the family and friends of alcoholics. We struggle to keep the peace, to make things right. Our lives are not our own. They are controlled by someone else's drinking. We may be different, but we have one thing in common. We want our lives back. If you need help, call Al-Anon and Alateen at 1-888-4-ALANON or visit our website at www.alanon.alateen.org. To help them, you have to help yourself first. Hello, I'm Julia Lucci, your PSA director, and this is your campus calendar for the week of September 24th. Find a job and learn about internships and career-related opportunities at the Fall Business and Liberal Arts Career Fair. This will be held on Tuesday, September 25th from 10 a.m. until 1 p.m. in the banquet rooms of the Oakland Center. This event is free for staff and students. Please bring your spirit card for fast registration. Professional dress is required. Over 55 employers are attending. On Wednesday, September 26th, SAFE will be providing on-campus training in the OC from noon to 2 p.m. in Lake Superior Room A. Please attend if you are interested in becoming an ally to the LGBTIQA community at OU or just to find out what those letters stand for. The AMA is having a DTE Energy Speaker Meeting located in Lake Superior Room B in the OC from noon to 1 p.m. Come to the OC to join the International Allies Organization for their kickoff event on Thursday, September 26th. 27th from 5 to 7 p.m. in Lake Superior Room A. Meet new allies, old allies, and find new friends. There will be food and activities. This event is open to all OU students and faculty. Are you ready to salsa? Spice things up in the Oakland Center with some salsa lessons on Friday, September 28th from 7 to 9 p.m. in Gold Rooms A, B, and C. As part of Hispanic Celebration Month, come out and celebrate with OU. Have some Hispanic food and fun. This event is free and open to all OU students. WXOU will also be in attendance providing some music. Help End Domestic Violence on Saturday, September 29th at the Tara Grant Memorial Walk and Run located on 1 Crocker Boulevard in Mount Clemens from 9 a.m. to noon. OU students will have a registration fee of $15. You can register by this Friday at http www.terragrantwalkrun.eventbrite.com This Sunday, September 30th, the Brooksy Way Half Marathon and 5K will be taking place on OU's campus from 8 a.m. until 3 p.m. To register online and find out more, visit www.thebrooksyway.com. I'm Julia, and this has been your campus calendar. And remember to keep it here at 88.3 FM and WXOU.org, The Grizz. It's the domain of legends, forever imprinted on cards clutched in young, eager hands. Now imagine these living myths are all turned to you. Expectant. This batch yours, right? That's the one, kid. To a child with a life-threatening illness, being a bat boy for his favorite team wasn't the end of all his youthful hopes. It was the beginning. 
visit the Make-A-Wish Foundation at wish.org and share the power of a wish. Listen to Sports Day in the D. I'm your host, John Ott, from WXOU 88.3 FM, The Grizz, live from Oakland University. Got to get into a touchy subject now with the Detroit Tigers. I know a lot of you guys don't want to talk about that, and you'd rather crash your car head on to a tree to rather have to watch them play or to even get in the playoffs. But now the Tigers have only had eight games left in the season. They won last night behind Anibal Sanchez going... 2 nothing and going a complete game and getting that stuff done. But in terms of what we got left, you know, you got two games left with the Royals, three with the Twins, and then three more with the Royals. So the last six games for the Tigers are on the road. And I don't know if you guys know this, but the Tigers are the worst team on the road if they get into the playoffs in terms of everybody that's left. So how does that spell success into the playoffs? I don't think it does. And in terms of what the White Sox are doing, I don't think any of us want to really watch them either because it seems like the only time they score runs is when they hit bombs out of U.S. Cellular. They can't do it otherwise. So here's the Tigers' big stretch, and this is the saddest part, is the Tigers' big stretch of getting tied into the division currently right now as we sit here on a Thursday is Tigers went 4-3 and three in their last seven, and the White Sox went 1-6. That's the Tigers' big stretch of successful baseball, and that's just sad. That's the reason why you guys don't want to watch that stuff, and it's why we... I want to talk about it because I like this team, but I don't like how this team is. You know, I like the Tigers, I like baseball, but it's just painful to have to talk about this stuff sometimes. So, let's get into some weirdness, shall we? The Tigers... They get two out of three against the Oakland A's, and you think, they're creeping on a come-up like the Bone Thugs in Harmony. And it just doesn't happen. They go ahead and play the Minnesota Twins in a doubleheader, and what do the Tigers do? They get swept by the freaking Minnesota Twins. And that just takes all the momentum from that Oakland A's series and throws it right into the toilet, right into the crapper. So... Here's what happens. Max Scherzer, you know what, I'm not going to bag on him completely because he was coming off of that injury and that the soreness or the tightness or whatever that was. The Tigers have lost that first game 10-4. to Max Scherzer, five innings pitched, six hits and three runs. And Phil Coke. I, do any of you guys like Phil Coke? Do you watch what I'm watching when he just runs out there like Usain Bolt? He just, just he sprints all the way out there, and then he goes right into the mound, and he just goes right back quickly back out into the bullpen because he didn't get a guy out, gave up two runs, and then just see you later, Skip. Let's go. So he's done. So the other game in that nightcap, Here's what the Tigers do and what they've been doing all season. Sometimes that offense shows up, sometimes it doesn't. They lose two to one to the Twins. And where the heck is that offense? And I wish I could do a good Jim Leland impression. You know, I'm not uh, Scott the Gator Anderson from 97.1, but I'll give you a quote here from Leland himself. Not really much to explain here tonight, he said. I'm not trying to get rid of you guys. He's talking about the media. I'm just telling you, it's disappointing that we didn't score more runs today. In two ball games today, I felt like we'd certainly score more runs than we did, and we didn't. Well said, Skipper. I mean, pretty much, you're going out there and... You're going to have to smoke a bunch of cigarettes and add more years on your life because you're having to manage this team. And I know it's a pain for you, and it's a pain for all of us to watch. It's like, he's just telling them, why aren't you guys scoring more runs? It's the Minnesota Twins. It's Samuel 
I am a pitcher, the Duno. He's really not a great pitcher, but this is the kind of stuff that the Tigers have had to deal with all season. And it makes it a lot more different than 06. I know the, the Royals had came and beat the Tigers, and the Tigers had to settle for the wild card, but they made it to the World Series. And when you really think about this team now, in 2012, do you really think the Tigers have what it takes to get into the World Series? I don't feel that same way. And in terms of what your opponents are doing, Here's, here's the kicker. Here's why that 4-3 and three was such a huge stretch for the Detroit Tigers. The White Sox get swept by the Angels in a three-game series. And you know what? The Angels are fighting for a playoff spot. They got that large payroll. They got pull holes. They got Weaver. They got the uh, guy that could be rookie or the MVP, my, I apologize, and Mike Trout over Miguel Cabrera. So that team's loaded. And they're just trying to fight for a playoff spot. So you would think they would get in. And maybe the White Sox wouldn't do so well. So they handed the Tigers a big favor by getting swept. And what do the Tigers do? They went out and got swept by the Twins. And why do they have to screw it up? Because that was a golden opportunity to have more than sitting here with a tie right now. They could be up a couple games in this division and finally just get this nonsense over with because, let's be honest, you can't get swept by the Twins. You just can't do it. When you think about what the Tigers have done in the AL Central, it's really sad. I mean... The Cleveland Indians, I'm t I'm, this is serious, the Cleveland Indians have a winning record against the Detroit Tigers this season, going 10-8. and eight. The Tigers are only one game above 500 against the Twins this season. I mean, the only success that they've had was against the White Sox going 12-6, and six because any time this season so far, if the Tigers needed some help, they just play the White Sox and they just sweep them for some reason, because that's just the way that it seems like it went. So... The White Sox can still hand the Tigers one more favor, and that favor is having to play against the Tampa Bay Rays. I know that they haven't been as good as people thought this season, but I digress and say that Evan Longoria was injured, and that's a huge part of what their offense is. And their pitching is a heck of a lot better than anything the White Sox can do. So good luck hitting home runs against the Tampa Bay Rays if you want to try to manufacture stuff there. So it's a good chance for the Sox to lose two out of three, possibly get swept again, and the Tigers, I hate to say this, but I mean, let's, let's just throw it right out there. The Tigers could play 4-4 four and four in these next eight games, play 500 baseball, and they could just waltz right into the playoffs. That's really sad, but it's pretty much where we're at at this point. So here's a critical question. We say that the Tigers, you probably think they're going to get in because you can't just bank on a, the White Sox that are going 1-6 and six in their last seven. I can't think that they're going to make the playoffs. So let's assume they get in. So here's the hypothetical. Is it just better if the Tigers didn't make the playoffs this season? I'm just going to assume that they are. If it's just better that they didn't make the playoffs, and we talked about these records and everything, if you think the Tigers didn't make the playoffs this season, do you think that's when Leland leaves? Do you think that's when Dave Dombrowski finally decides to take his I-don't-need-a-farm-system-in-Detroit Tigers bum self out of here and get all these guys that we need to get and build toward our strength of our ballpark? Where We're playing in Comerica, brother. We're playing doubles and triples. We're not playing softball, beach ball lineup. I love Miguel Cabrera. I'm not going to bag on Prince Fielder. I know why Mike Illich did it with that nine-year, $218 million. That's just the place V-Mart. But the rest of this team has no speed. You talked about Austin Jackson, who's really the only guy so far this season. We know Cabrera's really good. I would say Austin Jackson's had the best season out of any Tiger because we weren't expecting that to come from him. And Quentin Barry is the only other guy that has speed in this lineup. So why can't the Tigers just use that to more of their advantage and play to their strengths? 
and then maybe, possibly, it would make more sense if you had some range in that defense so you wouldn't be league-leading and committing errors because don't you think errors are going to come back and bite the Tigers in the butt when they play in the playoff games? I think that's a huge part of it, and it's not addressed. So, I mean, this is what I think. If they don't get rid of Dombrowski and we don't get rid of Jim Leland, you're just going to continue to see guys like Ryan Rayburn and Don Kelly and Brendan Bosch, and all these guys are just going to come out there, and they might even bat the two-hole because Jim Leland's been so crazy as to bat Ryan Rayburn, who's been batting a buck fifty and put him in number two. So the Tigers could be in that spot if they don't end up making these changes. I'm saying regardless if the Tigers get in or not, I feel like changes should be made, and I think the Tigers, I know they want to get into the postseason, but there's better ways to do it by making your ball club more well-rounded and not just having to rely on Miguel Cabrera to bail you out all the time. He's pretty much going for a triple crown right now. I believe he's still only one homer behind Josh Hamilton, and he's the only reason why the Tigers are in this at this point. So Tigers need to build up to their ballpark. And this is what they're going to tell you. This is what Leland and Nebraska are going to tell you. Well, Johnny Peralta and Brandon Bosch and Alex Avila didn't have the same season, John, that we were thinking they were going to have, and that's why we're struggling and not winning this division. Well, I don't give a crap, because a lot of these guys hadn't had good track records, and Johnny Peralta, he's been a serviceable player in Cleveland. He had the season of his life last year, and you're going to go ahead and expect that to happen again? I don't think so. And Alex Avila, your all-star catcher, I know he's good on defense, but he's bad in eighth. What all-star catcher do I know is bad in eighth? If you're really expecting him to bank on the offense, that was your, already your problem right there. He's bad in eighth. He's not good enough to be in that part. So here's what I say. At the end of the season, you remember in 2006, we talked about the Kansas City Royals and the Tigers had to settle for that wild card spot and everything. Royals could play spoil. Just giving an update that was close to the end of. Uh the sports day in the D sent with the Tigers about Royals having to play spoiler. They probably just cut some of that stuff out at the end because either time constraints or some other things. So uh, pretty much they were going to play spoiler, and if they ever found pitching, then that would be uh, an extent of what would hurt the AL Central and the up front of the Tigers and the White Sox. Maybe it was off base, maybe it was cut from time. But so far for some of these segments, I think it looks pretty good. I like the way that sounds and all of that too.
taught me how to be determined, how to be goal-oriented. Ray Wright, youth mentor. I work with young people every day, and young people have almost lost faith in the world surrounding them. I'm that ray of sunshine telling them we haven't been forsaken. Lead, inspire, change the world again. Join thousands and find which volunteer opportunity is best for you. Call 1-800-424-8867 today or visit www.getinvolved.gov. This message is brought to you by the Corporation for National and Community Services Station. 88.3 WXOU. Coming back in for Sports Day in the D in the break, I'm John Ott here with you on WXOU 88.3 FM, live from Oakland University. Going to be getting into the last topic of the day in terms of sports games that you guys think you might want to be buying. Talk about a little bit about Madden as well. Football is always very popular, especially when it comes out in August. And there's just a lot of stuff to do in Madden 13. You guys can go ahead and create the Madden Ultimate Team, which is one of the uh, most popular sports features in that game so far, when you go ahead and pretty much make your own dream team and play against other people online. The one thing I liked about this year was the Connected Careers mode that actually had you go in and play with guys that are like Barry Sanders, Gail Sayers, all those legends, actually put them on your team and able to actually play as them and fulfill out their careers and anything else. So wouldn't it be nice to go in, if you're a Lions fan especially, to go ahead and put Barry Sanders back on the Detroit Lions to play with Matthew Stafford and Calvin Johnson? I think so. Huge feature there. In regards to the online team play, all that stuff is there too. But when you actually tackle guys this year, you see these tackle animations, actually go ahead and wrap those guys up. You see that in the animations. And no tackle is the same the way that they did that. Uh, graphics and motion engine this year when you go in there and you wrap a guy up it's different every time so you can actually bounce off hits without having to do all those other fancy moves if you try to run your routes and run the seams and stuff it actually pays off that way and in terms of Madden I think that's a really good game in regards of season online play, Madden Ultimate Team all that stuff, if you're a football fan I think it's a good uh, way to use your money this year in regards of something that I'm passionate about, it's always the NBA. And this year, I'm not sure if you're going to have two competitors here, but next week, Tuesday, is uh, NBA 2K13. It's a very very highly promoted game. It's executive produced by Jay-Z, so he's actually going to give you some good tunes to listen to. Got a chance to play the demo that was out in the marketplace in the PSN store, and the demo's really good. And I'm one of those guys that pretty much goes in there and tries to run a pick and roll and actually use the pass the ball around and actually use my teammates because that's the whole point of trying to play a game. It's not trying to do all these fancy crossovers and doing all that, which you can do, but when you actually go ahead and use your teammates, you're going to find that there's more success. So in that regard, it's really good, and the defense has been more cleaned up as well. So guys like Russell Westbrook on the Oklahoma City Thunder won't continually blow past you on the drive and dunk all over you because man defense has been cleaned up. You can actually play some of that stuff now. So teams like the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Miami Heat with LeBron James and Dwayne Wade will be easier to defend. And if you really want to do all that fancy pants stuff, you can actually do that because you can alley up to yourself now, a la Blake Griffin style, when you're on the fast break and definitely uh, showboat again 
against all of your opponents. So I really liked that feature. And in terms of the online play, you can actually play as legend teams this year. So I'm saying you can take Jordan's Bulls and online team play with your friends and play against Gary Payton and Sean Kemp and the Seattle Supersonics. Yes, they included the Dream Team this year too. So if you guys actually thought the 2012 Blasphemous thought that Dream Team, the Redeem Team, whatever you want to call them, could actually defeat the 1992 Dream Team with 11 Hall of Famers and we'll throw Christian Layton in there because we need to have some guy in there to just sit on the bench, you can do that if you want to go ahead and do that. So it's a lot of fun there in that regard. And NBA 2K13 is just realistic in every way and it's a lot of fun if you're a basketball fan. Really, that's the game that I'm going to buy. I'm going to have no qualms about it. It's 60 bucks, well spent there. In terms of what you got going on in the NHL, not sure if you guys are going to go ahead and buy that because the NHL might be locked out for the entire season and knowing Gary Bettman is the GM there might be a good possibility. So you got NHL 13 and then the NHL series has been held in high regard. EA's done a very good job in that, in that department. So when you think of NHL 13, you think of class and you think of a game that just deserves your money and it depends on, for me, what you guys really want to use it for. I'm a very avid EA Sports Hockey League player, so I go on there with a couple of my friends, and we play Hockey League games against other opponents, and then you just pretty much rank up and see who wins the Stanley Cup at the end of the season, because you can do that. In NHL 13, if that's all you do, then enough a new skating engine and the possibility of not being able to play with the new rosters and all that because of the lockout might not be worth your money. They might go ahead and throw in that GM connected feature which lets you play as a GM with all of your friends and actually make trades but you're pretty much playing with NHL 12's rosters so if that's the case and you don't really want to get the game because it's not going to have new rosters and I can't blame you there you might want to stick with NHL 12 if you're only AEA Sports Hockey League player so it's just a word of warning and in terms of what soccer is bringing you this year from EA it's really good. The FIFA 13 game is really good. You got a chance to play that early release. You get a chance to play like how you do in the hockey league in NHL. You play the FIFA football league. You can play that with all of your friends. But in the FIFA regard, there's a lot more stuff to do in single player. You can actually go ahead and put yourself on a B of Pro Seasons, play on Man U, play with Wayne Rooney, play with your guy along all side of them, and take them in and win a Champions League final and all that. You can do all that. And then in terms of playing online friendlies with your friends and playing the ultimate team and all that stuff it's just a blast to try to play some soccer games and it's something different to have to play when you're playing basketball and hockey and you got the five on five and all of that it's 11 on 11 plus a goalie so it's a lot harder to try to get through the zone you have to emphasize short passes and team play and if that's your style of game then fifa is a really good place to try to check out something new and if you don't want to throw down sixty dollars in the new fifa 13 which is a good game and i hear you if you don't want to do that go ahead and stick with fifa 11 or fifa 12 good place to get yourself situated and figure out if you like that kind of game because i'm telling you fifa 13 if you are a fan of a soccer game it isn't worth your money i forgot to mention the one thing about basketball in terms of ea I'm not sure if NBA 2K is going to have any competition because NBA Live isn't slated to come out until January 1st, 2013, and it's going to be a downloadable game. That's $25. So in regards to NBA 2K getting a full game and getting a downloadable game at 25 you can maybe 
kind of sense the production value that you're going to get from NBA Live, and I'm just not sure, unless you're really into arcade basketball and dunking every single time you go down the lane, that that one's going to be for you. So what kind of sports games do you guys play, and what do you want to see? This is going to be John, o John Ott signing off for another day of Sports Day in the D on WXOU 88.3 FM live from Oakland University. You guys have a great week. Have a safe weekend. Have some fun. Get some homework done because I got some as well. See you guys next week. Peace out. So as One Man Army plays and maybe another song to finish out everything, that was pretty much all the content from Sports Day in the D besides for that last Royals segment. So maybe I'm just thinking they didn't seem to think that that was really relevant coming into the years, but that hats off, so be it to them. Everything else in there was pretty good. Like I said, just find some of the levels in terms of what the music would be and in terms of how I think everything else should go so that was pretty much sports day in the d what do you guys think of that show i thought uh try to do the best i can to bring it and like i said i'm just going to build on that football knowledge as we progress along and iron out some things in terms of like sound levels and engaging the audience and all of that but i think the content is what's gonna you know thrive as we go along here and then attempt to go live and all of that so in that regard i think the content was good really enjoyed listening to that show and i'm not just saying that because i was listening to myself don't mean that in that regard in any way thought i brought it a lot of the stuff so what i'm going to do is if some of this stuff plays i'm going to see if there's any other sports shows in that hour and compare and we'll see where we go from there so thanks for listening guys or if this ends up just being a recording for me so be it. I can use it for the rest of the family and all of that. So, peace out. I'll see you next week on Sports Day in the D. I'm John Up.